Great. Guys, it's so good to be with you again today. Just continuing, uh, looking at Jesus, looking at what it means to follow Jesus. We looked yesterday um, at Paul's story, didn't we? The Apostle Paul in the Bible. Uh, we looked in the book of Acts. And uh, we looked at what he said as well, later in another letter he wrote in, uh, in the, to, the, to the church in Rome, in Romans, where he talked about the fact that we needed to die to our old selves and, uh, and be born again, come again into a new life with Jesus Christ. And many people responded. It was amazing to see. It was amazing to see so many people saying, um, not just that they want to follow Jesus, or not just that they want to be a Christian, but actually saying, do you know what? I want to die to who I was before. And start a new life with Jesus Christ. That's such a big thing to say. And it was brilliant to see it. Today, we are going to look at um, another letter Paul writes. Um, Paul writes lots of letters in the Bible to different churches who are kind of working stuff out. And um, there's one he writes to, there's a letter called Galatians. And this letter, he's, uh, he's having a bit of a go in the church um, in Galatia, or to the Galatians. Um, and he... Um, they kind of, they seem to have had a moment at some point where, they, where they've had this reborn moment, where they've kind of met Jesus, they've kind of seen the Holy Spirit, they're like, yeah, but then very quickly they've forgotten all about it. Just like what can happen at New Day, you know, we come to New Day, we have this amazing time together, um, I know what it's like, I've been to New Day as a teenager, it's great, you enjoy it, and then you go home, and you forget all about it, and life continues on, and all the things that seem so much better and so much cooler and so much more fun to do just just come back to our life it was a bit like that for these Galatians you know like Paul is saying to them don't you remember what we did together you've got people telling you you need to do works again you need to you're starting to believe that you need to earn your own salvation again what is this that's not what Jesus spoke about that's not what I told you about that's not the gospel the good news you accepted and I want to look today at the fact that we are we are set free we're called into freedom in following Jesus. He writes, so we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes to them, he says, guys, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. So stand firm then. Thank you. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's kind of saying, come on guys, you've been set free. Jesus set you free. The reason he died was because he wanted you to be free of the things of this world, of what the world is saying you need to be. He set you free so you have eternity within heaven, so you be something better. So don't go back to what you were a slave to. Don't go back to your previous slave master, to the things that held you down, to the things that you thought were better. He goes on further. If we skip to verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Do not use your freedom to just satisfy your earthly needs or or just just give in to every single temptation that kind of shows itself up. Rather, serve serve one another humbly in love. The entire law, the entire Old Testament, the entire command of God is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on to talk about the fact that we are called to live under the Spirit. We're called to live with Christ in us. We're called to be different. He says, look, it's quite obvious when someone wants to live in, in the world what that looks like. He says the acts of the, of the flesh, the acts of someone that is just living for the world are obvious. It's, it looks like sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, hating one another, discord, 
Jealousy, fits of rage, you know, raging out, getting angry with one another. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy and drunkenness, and the like. He says, but hey, when we live for Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, when we are Christ-like, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this is what it looks like when we start following Jesus. Do you know, I'd hear things like this when I was younger, and I'd kind of think, yeah, but that sounds kind of boring, though. I kind of like the first list a bit better. A bit better. And um, kind of thought, well, surely God's way just sounds like a boring way, though. This is really why I didn't want to do it. It just doesn't sound fun. And kind of one of the, um, uh, like a little kind of analogy that helped me out. So I've got a son now, a little 10-month-old son, yeah. And he doesn't quite understand the world yet. And he doesn't quite understand what's good for him and what's not. So kind of my job as a parent is to keep him alive, basically. Just to try and stop him kind of doing stuff that's going to hurt himself. And he, he quite likes to look at plug sockets. And, um, and like, you know, really wants to put his finger in him. It looks shiny, it looks nice. It looks like a good place to put your finger. And he doesn't quite understand yet that electricity and humans, we don't combine that well. It doesn't go too well if you get electrocuted. And uh, he wants to go for it. And I'm like, no, son, come away from that. You can't do it. He's like, he can't speak yet. All he can just, and he wants to go for it. And he's annoyed with me. I'm taking him away from it. But I did uh, did go to school. Um, I did my GCSEs. and, And they teach you about electricity, that electricity isn't that good for you. And I'm saying, son, I know a little bit better than you. You're going to have to trust me. I know you don't want to do this. I know you really want to put your finger but I don't want you to die and I'm going to take you away from that it's not good for you um, and he doesn't get it but I think it's like that with us and God Do you know God created everything God's over all things he created everything he knows how it's supposed to be and he knows how it's not supposed to be we're not supposed to be getting electrocuted in blood sockets why take him away he knows all the things that are listed there uh, as acts of the flesh God knows that's not good for you I've not built you for that. That stuff will crush you. It only leads to death. It only leads to destruction. Trust me. And I'm going, but I don't get that, God. I don't see it that way. And God's going, but I created it. You're going to have to trust me as your father. I know what's best for you. And trust me, my way is better for you. My way will lead to life rather than death. And that's kind of what it's like with God. We've got to start seeing it from his perspective. Because can you imagine... Can you imagine if the whole world did play by God's rules? Just imagine that scenario, yeah? So no one, no one sinned, they just played by God's rules. Do you think it would be better, or would it be worse? So it means you can't do some of the stuff you're thinking, oh, but that stuff looks so good, because the whole world is going to play by God's rules. But imagine that. There would never be any wars. There'd never be any family breakups. There'd never be any unwanted pregnancies, unwanted children. There'd never be any illness, there'd never be any sickness, there'd never be any fighting, there'd never be any family breakups. Can you just imagine even your school? Imagine if your school was completely sinless, there'd be no bullying. No one would ever get bullied. There'd be no horrible teachers who just like to shout at kids and get their joy out of that. There would be a school that would love each other, come around each other, that just desire to do good for one another. Can you imagine that scenario? It's kind of unimaginable. But it's what God desires for us. He desires the world to look different to how it was now. 
So we are called to be free then. We're called to be out of the world and out of that, out of the kind of struggles. But freedom doesn't mean life is easy. You know, so much we'll talk about freedom and we'll go, now let's go and jump up and down and sing and shout because we're free. But what does that mean? Because you know, Paul, Paul the Apostle who wrote all these letters, he wrote most of them about freedom from prison. And he was imprisoned for talking about freedom in Christ. That's the only thing he was in prison for. But yet he talks about how he's free. And he talks about how we're called to freedom. That doesn't quite compute. Well, it depends what freedom we're looking at. Because what Jesus is saying, what he's, what he's set us free from, is that we're to be apart from the world. We're to become Christ-like. And that doesn't mean it will be easy. If anything, it means it's harder. But it's better. Because we, Jesus describes us being salt and light. He says we've got to be light in a dark world. And when we start shining brightly, man, do we make a difference in our surroundings. Man, do we start bringing heaven down to earth. It's like what we spoke about yesterday. We're not just responding to go to heaven. We respond to Jesus so that heaven comes into us. And then we start shining bright like light. And that is what it is to be free. You're able to say, no, do you know what? I'm not going to go and do that. I'm not going to get involved in that. Do you know what? I'm not going to pick on that kid. You guys want to pick on him. You want to bully him. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand out. Do you know, I, might even, I might even make a fool out of myself and go and stick up for him. Oh, man. But this is what Jesus calls us to. In, um, in, in my church at home, we have... Uh, like one of our mottos is uh, we, um, or kind of one of our statements of who we are. We, we say we look up, in and out. And we say as a church, we want to help people look up at God. We want to help them see God in all his glory. We want to look in. How do we then encourage each other to follow God? And how do we help encourage and make each other better um, and, and in following Jesus and with Jesus? And we want to look out. We want to go and help the poor. We want to go and help the needy. We want to go and help those who, who, who need the gospel. And I think so often as a church, we can just get stuck looking in. And so often as people, we can just look in and forget the greatest command. Do you know, Paul is saying here what we should choose to do with our freedom. He says, don't indulge in the flesh. Don't just look inward. Rather, serve one another, humbling and love. Um, the greatest, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping the one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me share with you two stories. Um, that just, just that I was involved in since being a Christian. And they're two quite recent ones um, where freedom was involved. And what, is it, what does it look like? But it kind of ends in a different way. One of them was when I met a guy called Richard. Yeah, Richard is a homeless man who lived uh, near where, where, we go to, where I go to church, near where our church is. And um, I used to see him sometimes. He'd sleep outside Tesco's at night. Um, he, was a, he was a lovely bloke, um, an older guy. But, um, you know, he had real problems. He'd been in the street a long time. He was an alcoholic um, and really had a lot of, uh, lot of kind of demons. And, um, and one day, I was, I was coming back. I'd been out with some friends. It was late at night. And I walked past Richard. And uh, I'd never spoken to him before. And I kind of just felt something just tinged my heart. You know, I'd just give him a bit of money. Um, why don't you just give him a bit of money you've got some money and I kind of like I couldn't be able to stop I, I wanted to go home it was late at night it was cold um, and I just thought you know maybe I could do it some other time someone else will probably help him do you know there's always that can be our attitude someone else I'm sure will come along that will be better and I thought God say no it's you you've, you've got to do something this guy so I said alright God I'll make you a deal so you can tell this isn't going well <laughs> I'll make you a deal um, if I've got a five in my wallet, anything up to... Because I knew I didn't have any coins. I knew I only had notes, so I knew it was going to be expensive. Yeah, because you don't have a small... You don't have a one-pound note anymore. And uh, 
I thought, okay, if I've got a fiver, Lord, I'll give it to him. But um, I'm not, I can't give him any more than that, God. Come on. Um, and I pulled out my wallet and I had a tenner. I said, sorry, God, I've only got a tenner. I'm walking. And um, you can, you know, that moment you kind of slap yourself in the head and go, ah, oh, did I just say that, man? And I really felt so convicted by God in that moment. Give him the tenner. Like, he needs it. What are you going to spend that tenner on? Like, he, give him the tenner. So I went to him and I gave him ten pounds. And I said, uh, there you go, mate. God bless you. See you later. And I went to walk away. And at that moment, just the Holy Spirit nailed me, stopped me in my tracks and gone, you've got it all wrong, Dan. You think the treasure you have to give to this guy is in your 10 pounds and a little bit of time it's took you to go and stand there. You think that's your good deed for the day. You think that's the treasure you're carrying. He went, pray for the guy. And I just got it. I thought, man, I'm worried about all the money I've got. I'm worried about what I've got to give to him. I'm carrying the gospel The good news that saves lives, that turns people's lives around, that doesn't make you rich, it doesn't make you successful, but it changes your life and gives you freedom. I'm carrying that, and I'm worried about whether I'll just give him a tenner or not. I thought, all right, I'll pray with a guy, and I sat there with him. We uh, sat down on the floor. He gave me a sleeping bag to sit on, the generosity of homeless people. And his mate was there as well, and I said, look, mate, this is going to be really weird, but I'm a Christian. I believe that God answers prayers. Can I pray for you? And he said, oh man, you're a Christian. He says, I know the Bible really well. I used to be a Christian. I used to, I used to go to church a long time ago. I've been in the street for 20. He started telling me his story. This guy knew the Bible, yeah. He could recite, he couldn't really read anymore. But he was just chucking out verses. He goes, you know that one? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's somewhere in the Bible. You tell me where it's from. Uh, you know, like, he knew it better than I did. And he can't even read it anymore. But it's something, he was just so plagued by something. We prayed together. We chatted. I was chatting with his mate. I said to him, look, you're so welcome at our church. It's Saturday night. I said, come tomorrow. I said, I'm there all day. I'll be there at night. I'll be there in the morning. Whichever's better for you. We can have a cup of tea. We can have another chat. And, uh, and he came. He came to church. Um, and I got to, I chatted with him there. And what just, what struck me even more was that even before I got over to chat to him, someone else had already got him a cup of coffee. Someone else was already having a chat and sat him down. Someone showed him just a church had come round. Rather than being freaked out, oh, look, there's this guy who's clearly homeless. What's he doing here? They're like, oh, great, you're here. Come. He's just blessed by the church, people wanting to serve him. And he came for a while. We got to, um, we got to know him quite well. And one Sunday, um, one of the other pastors at the church uh, just happened to ask him, is he come to the evening service, and he said to him, um, Richard, where do you think you're going when you, when you die? It was hard to work out if this guy was really saved. Um, he kind of spoke a bit about Jesus, but, but his life, you know, it was messy. And um, he said, where do you think you're going when you die? And he said, oh, I'm going to heaven. I know Jesus, and I know he's forgiven me, and I'm going to heaven. I'm like, wow. And then that evening, this is in the cold of this winter, just gone, he died. He died then and there. And we heard about it. And on the Monday, later on the Monday, he was just found, he just didn't wake up. Wow, he just professed. He knew exactly where he was going and Jesus called him home. He professed, I'm free. And Jesus said, now come and be free. Because he's not homeless anymore. He's not plagued by his demons anymore. And that's the story about how I chose to use my freedom in that moment. I was free to walk away. I really was. Do you know God would have let me walk away and he still would have covered me in his grace and I'd still be saved? Do you know that? That's how good God is. But God challenged me and I chose to use my freedom to be obedient and to go and serve Richard and to sit and spend an hour with him and have a chat 
And who knows what God will do with those interactions, you know. It's how we choose to use our freedom. Now, let me share this other story. Um, so, a picture come up now. This is, this is Tash. Um, Tash first came to New Day with us about three years ago. She was, she would have been, uh, she was here three years ago. She, I think she was uh, 12, she would have been three years ago. She'd been sitting in this room. And... Um, Tash, it was her first new day. She'd been invited by one of her friends who was part of our church, um, who is part of our church. And uh, she invited her along and she came. And when there was an appeal, Tash was one of the ones who ran forward. She gave her life to Jesus that new day and said, you know what, I want to die to who I was before. I'm going to start following Jesus. And it was hard for Tash because no one else in her family were Christians. So when she went home, um, the difficult thing for her is she weren't going home to um, a Christian home. We wanted to go to church. They didn't go to church already. There wasn't that. Um, so she just went on and on and on at her mum. Says, can we start going to church? And she started coming to our church then. She started coming, started coming to our youth group on Friday nights. So and mum was happy to take her because she just saw her daughter's loving it. Her daughter's really loving church. And something good has changed in her. She's a different girl around the house. You know, something Christ has done, something in her. Mum can't explain it. But Tashi's different. She's thinking, okay, well, this is good. I want to keep going to church and it's obviously good for my daughter. I'm going to keep going. Now, Tash had been set free, and she was using her freedom. We could, we could see it, but she wasn't problem-free. Tash had um, some quite severe allergies to, to food. She always had to carry an EpiPen around with her, and um, if she ate something, she couldn't eat so many things. If she ate it, she'd have a severe allergic reaction, have to have an EpiPen, and then go and have some like, antihistamines, adrenaline, and all that, get back to the hospital. Um, and she, she came to every new day, and she prayed. She said, God, will you heal me? Every time there was a healing night, Adrian's doing his thing. She said, God, I want to be healed. Will you heal me? Will you heal me? And she wasn't. Every year, she wouldn't get healed. It was still carried on. She still had this illness. She'd been set free from who she was before, from her sins to follow Jesus. But she, she still had this, this sickness. She still had these allergies. And um, two new days ago... Just before, about two weeks before we get to New Day, she went on a plane. She was going with her friend who had invited her to New Day. And they were on a flight, and she ate something she shouldn't have eaten. Um, she had just misread the label, and she ate it. And she had a severe allergic reaction while in the flight, and she died. At 15 years old, she passed away. And this happened on a Sunday. And we, we got a call. Um, I was leading that evening. And um, we would got the call in the morning that she was really, really ill. And in five minutes before we were about to lead the service, we got told she'd died. And all our youth leaders are there. I'm leading the youth at the time. And we were crushed. We were just, cr- I just, I genuinely thought God was going to heal her. I thought this is a miraculous story. This is her dad's on the plane with her. Um, her dad's a complete atheist. And here, um, I thought this is it. God's going to heal her. This is going to be the moment he gets saved. This is going to be just a miraculous moment. And I couldn't believe it when I was told she died. I was angry, thinking, God, how can you do this? How do we explain that to a family? How do we work this out? I was heartbroken, 15 years old. And her brother, her brother was 12, and was supposed to come New Day, because uh, Tasha said, come New Day, come, it's really good. He didn't know anyone, he hadn't come to our youth club yet, um, and he said, I'll, I'll go with you. And um, throughout the kind of funeral process and all this stuff, I, I chatted with him and was just saying, look, you're very welcome to still come with us. Um, I'll hang with you. It, would, um, it might be good for you to get some space. Like for, for his mum and dad, certainly it would have been good for them. And I said, why don't you come? And he came. And he gave his life to Jesus at New Day two years ago. He's here this New Day um, in the 15s to 18s now. 
Um, he even shared his story last year on stage. You might have seen him uh, if you were here. And something changed in him. That We were able to start processing this grief in the knowledge that this is horrible. She's gone. But you know, there's a hope now that we'll see her again. And what we started being able to process more and more was actually, do you know what? Yeah, she was not problem-free on this earth, but she's problem-free in heaven. She's no longer sick. She's no longer ill. She's been completely healed. She's not looking back at suffering. She's not struggling anymore. We know where she's gone. So we was... You can cut that. So we was able to look at that. Her funeral was... was Emotional, but powerful. Just declarations of her joy, who she was, what she believed. Um, loads of her. Just, I was just having chat after chat after chat with people, just processing, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Her dad shared this story. Get this, complete atheist, yeah? Shared this story of being on the plane. They're fighting for her life, fighting for her life. And he sees these, he describes them as angels over the top of her. This is a complete atheist describing this. He's saying this on the, on the funeral. Like, people are kind of like, what do you make of this? And I see these angels and I just knew at that moment she was gone. I knew at the moment we were just fighting for her body. These angels had taken her. So he says he, he, has this, he just has this vivid memory of trying to whack them away, going, don't take her, don't take her, but knew she had gone. And I remember them processing through with her dad. He started coming to church in the weeks. He'd never, ever been to our church. He started coming to church with his wife and his son, especially after his son had given a life. And they started sharing their story. The whole church came around. They were like, we want to love you. We wanna... This is so painful. How can we serve you? How can we bless you? No one knows them. But the entire church was like, we just want to get around you. We want to serve you. We, we love you. We really love you. Let us help you. And they went on this journey. Alex, the, uh, the son, he got baptised. A, um, a few months later, decided, I'm in, I'm going to get baptised. Her mum gave her life to Jesus. She, a few months later after that, got baptised and said, I'm in, I want to do this. Get this, though. Her dad, her dad, who had no faith, very, very, in his own description, angry at God leading up to it, even more so, obviously, when his daughter has passed away. That's an appropriate emotion to have. Two weeks ago, we baptised him. (laughs) And he described, in his testimony, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, man, in his testimony, he had about 50 people that had come, none of them Christians, yeah, it just, everyone is like, he said, you've got to come, you've got to come and see this, and he just shared the gospel, and he said, this is who I was before, I had this whole lack of identity, I didn't know who I was, I had to keep reinventing myself to find something true, and then my identity was in my family, I had this, everything was good, I had my family, and then my daughter was taken from me, and you're like, what? And he talks about contemplating suicide. He talks about being at the point where he's writing the letters. He talks about the lowest of the low he's ever been at. But he says, through that, I found Jesus. And he says, I genuinely found Jesus. And he says, I know who I am supposed to be now. He talks about this new freedom he was living in of knowing he is. He says, I miss my daughter every day. But he says, I know I will be with her again one day. And he says, but right now, I'm here to serve Jesus. That's my purpose. And that is your purpose. Do you know that? Paul, this same guy, when sitting in prison, writes in in the letter to Philippians, in Philippians 1, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, if I die tomorrow, brilliant. I'm out of prison. I'm free from this world. I'll be with Jesus. 
But if God's given me another day, I'm going to use that day for Jesus Christ. Whether I'm in prison, whether I'm on the street, whatever you're doing. Her family chose to be free from bitterness. They could have stayed in bitterness and anger with God. And we would have understood that. But they chose to be free. The band are coming up now. They're going to come up. And so let me just pray. Let me pray. Is that all right? Jesus. Lord, we, we can never comprehend why you do the things you do, Lord, and why life works out the way it works out sometimes. I've never truly still understand why I tash had to go at that age, Lord Jesus, but man, am I... What I also will never understand is how you bring such fruit out of such tragedy. Lord, only you, a God, a loving God and a pure God can do that, Lord. Tash didn't know how long she had to live, Lord. Tash didn't know she was going to die at 15, but all she knows is she's got her entire life. Yet she used what years she did have to serve you, to follow you. And I thank you for that, Lord. You saved her uh, at this age group that, children, that the teenagers here are now, Lord. And she didn't waste it, Lord. She didn't waste the freedom you give her. She served you, Lord. And her family saw it and they knew it. So that when you called her home, the only place they could do is come to her earthly home. Come and find who is this Jesus you were so passionate about and you revealed yourself. And Lord, right now, wherever everyone is in this place, I pray that you reveal yourself right now, Lord. In a new way, Lord Jesus. Will you come and will you reveal yourself right now, Lord, in a new way? Whether there's pain, whether there's hurting, Lord, whether there's um, shame, whether there's condemnation, Lord, whether there's guilt, whether there's just lack of understanding even, will you just come right now in a new way and reveal yourself, Lord Jesus?